part five section nine of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part five section nine however great was the balance of probability in favour of the truth of the circumstances as stated in the will and however revolted the judges were particularly by the last clauses of the protest in which the son felt no compunction at accusing his dead father of a crime yet the views of the case there stated were after all the right ones and it was only due to v s restless exertions and his explicit and solemn assurance that the proofs which were necessary to establish legitimately the identity of freiherr roderick von r should be produced in a very short time that the surrender of the estate to the young baron was deferred and the contrivance of the administration of it in trust agreed to until after the case should be settled v was only too well aware how difficult it would be for him to keep his promise he had turned over all old roderick's papers without finding the slightest trace of a letter or any kind of a statement bearing upon wolfgang's relation to mademoiselle de st val he was sitting wrapped in thought in old roderick's sleeping cabinet every hole and corner of which he had searched and was working at a long statement of the case that he intended dispatching to a certain notary in geneva who had been recommended to him as a shrewd and energetic man to request him to procure and forward certain documents which would establish the young freiherr's cause on firm ground it was midnight the full moon shone in through the windows of the adjoining hall the door of which stood open then v fancied he heard a noise as of someone coming slowly and heavily up the stairs and also at the same time a jingling and rattling of keys his attention was arrested he rose to his feet and went into the hall where he plainly made out that there was someone crossing the anteroom and approaching the door of the hall where he was soon afterwards the door was opened and a man came slowly in dressed in night-clothes his face ghastly pale and distorted in the one hand he bore a candlestick with the candles burning and in the other a huge bunch of keys v at once recognized the house-steward and was on the point of addressing him and inquiring what he wanted so late at night when he was arrested by an icy shiver there was something so unearthly and ghost-like in the old man's manner and bearing as well as in his set pallid face he perceived that he was in presence of a somnambulist crossing the hall obliquely with measured strides the old man went straight to the walled-up postern that had formerly led to the tower he came to a hole immediately in front of it and uttered a wailing sound that seemed to come from the bottom of his heart and was so awful and so loud that the whole apartment rang again making v tremble with dread then setting the candlestick down on the floor and hanging the keys on his belt daniel began to scratch at the wall with both hands so that the blood soon burst out from beneath his finger-nails and all the while he was moaning and groaning as if tortured by nameless agony 
after placing his ear against the wall in a listening attitude he waved his hand as if hushing some one stooped down and picked up the candlestick and finally stole back to the door with soft measured footsteps v took his own candle in his hand and cautiously followed him they both went downstairs the old man unlocked the great main door of the castle v slipped cleverly through then they went to the stable where old daniel to v s perfect astonishment placed his candlestick so skilfully that the entire interior of the building was sufficiently lighted without the least danger having fetched a saddle and bridle he put them on one of the horses which he had loosed from the manger carefully tightening the girth and taking up the stirrup straps pulling the tuft of hair on the horse's forehead outside the front strap he took him by the bridle and led him out of the stable clicking with his tongue and patting his neck with one hand on getting outside in the courtyard he stood several seconds in the attitude of one receiving commands which he promised by sundry nods to carry out then he led the horse back into the stable unsaddled him and tied him to the manger this done he took his candlestick locked the stable and returned to the castle finally disappearing in his own room the door of which he carefully bolted v was deeply agitated by this scene the presentiment of some fearful deed rose up before him like a black and fiendish spectre and refused to leave him being so keenly alive as he was to the precarious position of his protege he felt that it would at least be his duty to turn what he had seen to his account next day just as it was beginning to be dusk daniel came into the justitiarius's room to receive some instructions relating to his department of the household v took him by the arms and forcing him into a chair in a confidential way began see you here my old friend daniel i have long been wishing to ask you what you think of all this confused mess into which hubert's peculiar will has tumbled us do you really think that the young man is wolfgang's son begotten in lawful marriage the old man leaning over the arm of his chair and avoiding v s eyes for v was watching him most intently replied doggedly bah maybe he is maybe he is not what does it matter to me it's all the same to me who's master here now but i believe went on v moving nearer to the old man and placing his hand on his shoulder but i believed you possess the old freiherr's full confidence and in that case he assuredly would not conceal from you the real state of affairs with regard to his sons he told you i dare say about the marriage which wolfgang had made against his will did he not i don't remember to have ever heard him say anything of that sort replied the old man yawning with the most ill-mannered loudness you are sleepy old man said v perhaps you have had a restless night not that i am aware he rejoined coldly but i must go and order supper whereupon he rose heavily from his chair and rubbed his bent back yawning again and that still more loudly than before stay a little while old man cried v taking hold of his hand and endeavouring to force him to resume his seat but daniel preferred to stand in front of the study table propping himself upon it with both hands and leaning across towards v he asked sullenly well what do you want 
what have i to do with the will what do i care about the quarrel over the estate well well interposed v we'll say no more about that now let us turn to some other topic daniel you were out of humour and yawning and all that is a sign of great weariness and i am almost inclined to believe that it really was you last night who well what did i do last night asked the old man without changing his position v went on last night when i was sitting up above in your old master's sleeping cabinet next the great hall you came in at the door your face pale and rigid and you went across to the bricked-up postern and scratched at the wall with both your hands groaning as if in very great pain do you walk in your sleep daniel the old man dropped back into the chair which v quickly managed to place for him but not a sound escaped his lips his face could not be seen owing to the gathering dusk of the evening v only noticed that he took his breath short and that his teeth were rattling together yes continued v after a short pause there is one thing that is very strange about sleepwalkers on the day after they have been in this peculiar state in which they have acted as if they were perfectly wide awake they don't remember the least thing that they did daniel did not move i have come across something like what your condition was yesterday once before in the course of my experience proceeded v i had a friend who regularly began to wander about at night as you do whenever it was full moon nay he often sat down and wrote letters but what was most extraordinary was that if i began to whisper softly in his ear i could soon manage to make him speak and he would answer correctly all the questions i put to him and even things that he would most jealously have concealed when awake now fell from his lips unbidden as though he were unable to offer any resistance to the power that was exerting its influence over him deuce take it i really believe that if a man who's given to walking in his sleep had ever committed any crime and hoarded it up as a secret ever so long it could be extracted from him by questioning when he was in this peculiar state happy are they who have a clean conscience like you and me daniel we may walk as much as we like in our sleep there's no fear of anybody extorting the confession of a crime from us but come now daniel when you scratch so hideously at the bricked-up postern you want i dare say to go up to the astronomical tower don't you i suppose you want to go and experiment like old roderick eh well next time you come i shall ask you what you want to do whilst v was speaking the old man was shaken with continually increasing agitation but now his whole frame seemed to heave and rock convulsively past all hope of cure and in a shrill voice he began to utter a string of unmeaning gibberish v rang for the servants they brought lights but as the old man's fit did not abate they lifted him up as though he had been a mere automaton not possessed of the power of voluntary movement and carried him to bed after continuing in this frightful state for about an hour he fell into a profound sleep resembling a dead faint when he awoke he asked for wine and after he had got what he wanted he sent away the man who was going to sit with him and locked himself in his room as usual v had indeed really resolved to make the attempt he spoke of to daniel 
although at the same time he could not forget two facts in the first place daniel having now been made aware of his propensity to walk in his sleep would probably adopt every measure of precaution to avoid him and on the other hand confessions made whilst in this condition would not be exactly fitted to serve as a basis for further proceedings in spite of this however he repaired to the hall on the approach of midnight hoping that daniel as frequently happens to those afflicted in this way would be constrained to act involuntarily about midnight there arose a great noise in the courtyard v plainly heard a window broken in then he went downstairs and as he traversed the passages he was met by rolling clouds of suffocating smoke which he soon perceived were pouring out of the open door of the house steward's room the steward himself was just being carried out to all appearance dead in order to be taken and put to bed in another room the servants related that about midnight one of the undergrooms had been awakened by a strange hollow knocking he thought something had befallen the old man and was preparing to get up and go and see if he could help him when the night watchman in the court shouted fire fire the herr house steward's room is all of a bright blaze at this outcry several servants at once appeared on the scene but all their efforts to burst open the room door were unavailing whereupon they hurried out into the court but the resolute watchman had already broken in the window for the room was low and on the basement story had torn down the burning curtains and by pouring a few buckets of water on them had at once extinguished the fire the house steward they found lying on the floor in the middle of the room in a swoon in his hand he still held the candlestick tightly clenched the burning candles of which had caught the curtains and so occasioned the fire some of the blazing rags had fallen upon the old man burning his eyebrows and a large portion of the hair of his head if the watchman had not seen the fire the old man must have been helplessly burned to death the servants moreover to their no little astonishment found the room door secured on the inside by two quite new bolts which had been fastened on since the previous evening for they had not been there then v perceived that the old man had wished to make it impossible for him to get out of his room for the blind impulse which urged him to wander in his sleep he could not resist the old man became seriously ill he did not speak he took but little nourishment and lay staring before him with the reflection of death in his set eyes just as if he were clasped in the vice-like grip of some hideous thought v believed he would never rise from his bed again v had done all that could be done for his client and he could now only await the result in patience and so he resolved to return to k his departure was fixed for the following morning as he was packing his papers together late at night he happened to lay his hand upon a little sealed packet which freiherr hubert von r had given him bearing the inscription to be read after my will has been opened and which by some unaccountable means had hitherto escaped his notice he was on the point of breaking the seal when the door opened and daniel came in with still ghost-like step placing upon the table a black portfolio which he carried under his arm he
he sank upon his knees with a deep groan and grasping v s hands with a convulsive clutch he said in a voice so hollow and hoarse that it seemed to come from the bottom of a grave i should not like to die on the scaffold there is one above who judges then rising with some trouble and with many painful gasps he left the room as he had come v spent the whole of the night in reading what the black portfolio and hubert's packet contained both agreed in all circumstantial particulars and suggested naturally what further steps were to be taken on arriving at k v immediately repaired to freiherr hubert von r who received him with ill-mannered pride but the remarkable result of the interview which began at noon and lasted on without interruption until late at night was that the next day the freiherr made a declaration before the court to the effect that he acknowledged the claimant to be agreeably to his father's will the son of wolfgang von r eldest son of freiherr roderick von r and begotten in lawful wedlock with mademoiselle julia de st val and furthermore acknowledged him as rightful and legitimate heir to the entail on leaving the court he found his carriage with post-horses standing before the door he stepped in and was driven off at a rapid rate leaving his mother and his sister behind him they would perhaps never see him again he wrote along with other perplexing statements roderick's astonishment at this unexpected turn which the case had taken was very great he pressed v to explain to him how this wonder had been brought about what mysterious power was at work in the matter v however evaded his questions by giving him hopes of telling him all at some future time and when he should have come into possession of the estate for the surrender of the entail to him could not be effected immediately since the court not content with hubert's declaration required that roderick should also first prove his own identity to their satisfaction v proposed to the baron that he should go and live at r sitten adding that hubert's mother and sister momentarily embarrassed by his sudden departure would prefer to go and live quietly on the ancestral property rather than stay in the dear and noisy town the glad delight with which roderick welcomed the prospect of dwelling at least for a time under the same roof with the baroness and her daughter betrayed the deep impression which the lovely and graceful seraphina had made upon him in fact the freiherr made such good use of his time in r sitten that at the end of a few weeks he had won seraphina's love as well as her mother's cordial approval of her marriage with him all this was for v rather too quick work since roderick's claims to be lord of the entail still continued to be rather doubtful the life of idyllic happiness at the castle was interrupted by letters from courland hubert had not shown himself at all at the estates but had travelled direct to st petersburg where he had taken military service and was now in the field against the persians with whom russia happened to be just then waging war this obliged the baroness and her daughter to set off immediately for their courland estates where everything was in confusion and disorder roderick who regarded himself in the light of an accepted son-in-law insisted upon accompanying his beloved 
and hence since v likewise returned to k the castle was left in its previous loneliness the house steward's malignant complaint grew worse and worse so that he gave up all hopes of ever getting about again and his office was conferred upon an old chasseur francis by name wolfgang's faithful servant at last after long waiting v received from switzerland information of the most favourable character the priest who had married roderick was long since dead but there was found in the church register a memorandum in his handwriting to the effect that the man of the name of bourne whom he had joined in the bonds of wedlock with mademoiselle julia de st val had established completely to his satisfaction his identity as freiherr wolfgang von r eldest son of freiherr roderick von r of r sitten besides this two witnesses of the marriage had been discovered a merchant of geneva and an old french captain who had moved to lyons to them also wolfgang had in confidence stated his real name and their affidavits confirmed the priest's notice in the church register with these memoranda in his hands drawn up with proper legal formalities v now succeeded in securing his client in the complete possession of his rights and as there was now no longer any hindrance to the surrender to him of the entail it was to be put into his hands in the ensuing autumn hubert had fallen in his very first engagement thus sharing the fate of his younger brother who had likewise been slain in battle a year before his father's death thus the courland estates fell to baroness seraphina von r and made a handsome dowry for her to take to the too happy roderick november had already come in when the baroness along with roderick and his betrothed arrived at r sitten the formal surrender of the estate tale to the young baron took place and then his marriage with seraphina was solemnized many weeks passed amid a continual whirl of pleasure but at length the wearied guests began gradually to depart from the castle to v s great satisfaction for he had made up his mind not to take his leave of r sitten until he had initiated the young lord of the entail in all the relations and duties connected with his new position down to the minutest particulars roderick's uncle had kept an account of all revenues and disbursements with the most detailed accuracy hence since hubert had only retained a small sum annually for his own support the surplus revenues had all gone to swell the capital left by the old freiherr till the total now amounted to a considerable sum hubert had only employed the income of the entail for his own purposes during the first three years but to cover this he had given a mortgage on the security of his share of the courland property End of part five the entail section nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine